Hey, folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunities. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith back for another week in a better mood than last week. We promised you we would be, and here we are. Much, much better. Much, much better. A, we got a victory, and B, we got another game to play. And C, we just were determined to be in a better mood this week regardless. That might have been A. It might have been. Mine might have been B and C. Same script that we've read five times now, I think, this season. Only when you turn to the last page... An additional paragraph, either a paragraph had been deleted or another one had been added, and it had a happy ending. You're going to toot your own horn, aren't you? I'm not going to, but right, now I'll, that you bring it up... I'll toot the horn for you. Okay. One Mr. Block, in one of our pregame shows last week, said it would be 27-24, and it would come down to the last play of the ball game. I said last drive. Okay, close enough. What I failed. By the way, I said the score first. He mimicked my score and then added the last play. Uh, We're going to claim time. this one forever. But I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say that, save for maybe this week, well, actually, the way the season is now, maybe the Florida game would be the next one that's going to come down to the last drive, and, and we'll see. But I don't think I can say that about Dell State. Louisiana Monroe, by the way, with that game added, I, I did the service of looking it up. They're 120th in the country in uh, points against. Okay. And 125th in total defense. So that's a game to get the offense well. Well, that's a little bit down the road, but that's something to look forward to, yes. Yes, there's a team that's not 120th or 125th in the country that's on the schedule this week. That would be Clemson. And and, uh, and, and they wear orange. And they do. So how do you feel? Not good. Yeah. But but it's amazing. I, I can't remember. Of course, I can't remember a lot of things. But I can't remember any other time when really it's safe to say that Florida State can and maybe should embrace the spoiler role. When's the last time we've gone into a ball game where we didn't have as much to play for as the other team and we had the opportunity to keep them from achieving one of their goals? I I don't know when that last time was. 
from a point spread standpoint, it's been since 2009 Florida that FSU was this heavy an underdog. Well, so 17, 17 and a half points. 18. This week, yeah, yeah, and then it was in the 20s. Okay. So I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at it. But your point, the bigger point there is Florida State has absolutely nothing to lose, which you could say Florida State has nothing to lose at any point this year the way the season has gone, but that's not true because people were – infuriated after the Boston College game, infuriated that the game, the score was not more lopsided against Duke, infuriated that the game came down to the last throw against Wake Forest. This week, if the game comes down to the last drive, you may be infuriated if FSU loses or does something that they shouldn't, but you would take it. Without question. Yeah. Without question. So it is, it is a different dynamic. Clemson is the team that has something to lose, and that is they've been in the national championship game two years in a row. They're the defending champs. Here's a, not a good stat, by the way. Florida State's record all time against the defending national champ. I'm thinking there's a zero involved. There's a one involved. I think it's one in 11. Yikes. And I won't put you on the spot because we'd kill the next 40 minutes here with you trying to think about it. I'll just tell you it was 1984. Miami was the defending champ and Florida State beat them 38 to 3. Okay. Other than that, games against the defending national champ has not gone well. Well, if we repeat that one and Florida State leaves Clemson uh, 38-3 to victors on Saturday, good gosh. <laughs> well, nobody's given Florida State a fighting chance here. So let's go with the glasses half-full approach, which is generally what we do unless it's after the game, in which case the glass is half-empty quite often. Only because we started quick. Yes, the glass is half full would be Florida State finally tasted winning again. So maybe it's a better week of practice. Maybe that injection of confidence, whatever it is. It sounds silly to some degree, but there was legitimate celebration in the locker room and on the field as fans saw last week. Not because Syracuse was the greatest team. They're, you know, they're not the 85 Bears. We know that. But the team just hadn't tasted victory. And they certainly hadn't done it at the end of the game. And so there's that. There's also that Florida State and Jimbo have played well against Clemson, even when you didn't expect it. When Clint Trickett Trickett went up there, you thought there was no chance, and that game was 35-30, and if FSU gets a first down, they're driving for a win. That's that's exactly my comment. Even when you're playing with your backup quarterback. Which Which they frequently have done in this series against Clemson. And and I guess technically you still are. Mm -hmm. I I think technically Blackman would still be considered the backup quarterback, though he has, what, seven starts, six starts, whatever it is under his belt now. Uh, but you're exactly right. Whoever FSU has trotted out there at the quarterback position uh, has fared fairly well. I, I think it's a combination of the rest of the team understanding that they had to pick the level of their play up in order to support that individual. And, and in terms of Trickett and Sean and, and EJ, I mean, they had some pretty pretty good ball games in terms of their own personal performance. I'm trying to think of aside from playing a perfect or near perfect game how would it play out that florida state turnovers turnovers if 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 clemson, and and playing from ahead to me matters you know, if clemson if clemson turns the ball over and that can be said obviously as cliche as can be said about any good team you know if clemson lays the ball on the ground or, or if uh, kelly bryant throws a couple of picks particularly if fsu gets some short fields uh and gets ahead uh, that that's how those games get won by the visitor who is so um uh, underranked is not the right term. What am I looking for? Such a, a point deficit uh, in terms of underdog. Uh, underdog. Thank you. Underachiever. We can go a lot of unders here. Underwhelming. Uh, you got one more. Uh, I'm I'm over my unders. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the the reason I say I think playing from a heads in point important. I mean, last week the was crowd, the first well, week. the biggest reason you get the crowd. You get out the of crowd it. out of it, but I also think that that 
breeds a little bit of confidence, which last week Florida State played from ahead for the first time in a while. Now, it was dicey at the end, but instead of being down, the way this season has gone to me, it just feels like you know the defense doesn't get a stop. Now there's more pressure on the offense. The offense goes three and out. Now there's more pressure on the defense, and it just kind of snowballs. And at least, I mean, it was it's game eight of the year, and Florida State finally got a two possession lead in the game last week. Think about that. First time all year they were up by more than seven. That, that's an unusual statistic or an unbelievable statistic. How about this for an unusual statistic? Florida State stopped Syracuse. 14 times on third down you know we've been talking and lamenting about how bad fsu's defense has been on third down particularly third and long well they stopped syracuse 14 times on third down but syracuse had 25 third down opportunities they converted 11 of 25 other than that mrs lincoln wow how'd you like the play they ran 95 plays now if you want to look at something else in terms of moral victory or statistical victory Coach Dino says we want to run 95 plays. They ran them. They ran 95 plays. They scored 24 points, and FSU was able to win. Clemson did – excuse me, Syracuse did in many numerical ways exactly what they wanted to do. And somehow Florida State found a way to win as opposed to finding a way to lose. So a number of of positive takeaways. Yeah, it doesn't help three and five, and and no, it still leaves a bad taste. In I'm not your sure mouth. where it helps you against Clemson, other than maybe confidence and playing better this week. But I do think Jimbo has had good plans against Clemson, and I do think that Clemson's quarterback now, and I know he's been hurt a little bit. That's part of the reason why they lost to Syracuse. He's not what Deshaun Watson was. I was amazed last year, and you're seeing this at the pro level, and I know Deshaun's out. The third downs, and we're not talking about the struggles Florida State's had this year. Last year, there were several times where he would fit a ball into such a window. I mean, he would throw it knee-high to Leggett with two defenders coming over Leggett's back. They couldn't get the deflection, and he'd make the catch for – I mean, it was – so the reason Deshaun's having success is not because he's a mobile quarterback. It's because he's a mobile quarterback who, oh, by the way, is pretty accurate when he throws the football. Well, you you said it best. He's a mobile quarterback. He's not a runner who throws the ball. Right. And Kelly – probably is more of a I haven't, I haven't seen enough of him but he's not at the Deshaun level so no, well at least not yet he's yeah. still very young as well yeah so I I don't know nobody's nobody's expecting much we're all bracing for uh what what could be is Clemson makes its run back but I mean what do we do Tommy what do we do if it's 45 to 3 and and you lose we come back next Wednesday and we do the show and we're not in a happy mood like we are today first we do that Sunday show though and that'll be an even less raucous occasion I'm just asking questions I don't have the answer Trying to that. i to prepare myself. CentraliItalian.com has deemed Thursdays as Pi Day. All day long, the 12 by 12 old school squares are five bucks. And to quote from the social media folks there, and it may be Matt Thompson, this is not a drill. This is the real deal. Also, and this is, this is right up your alley, Keith, uh, Bottomless House Sparkling Rosé this Friday, 1130 to 4. I don't like rosé. I was being facetious when I said that, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Reminds me of my favorite pizza joke, though. Guy uh, orders a large pizza. Can we go to break and you just the share it with me? Guy orders a large pizza. And what happens? And the waitress starts to walk away, or waitress starts to walk away. And? He says, by the way, how many pieces is that? And they said, that's, uh, that's eight pieces. He said, could you cut it into six? I don't think I can eat eight. We'll be back with Tim Linefeld, our Seminoles.com insider, and more bad jokes right after this.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Tim, you got those hands up? Oh, yeah. Well, I got to hold my phone, but other than that, I got the other one up. Let them stay there, all right? All we do is right. win, baby. How's our, our, we welcome our Seminoles.com insider via the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline. The Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. Never doubt, Tim. Never doubt. No, sir. No, sir. Hey, look, you know, uh, winning's winning. I definitely do prescribe with the theory that uh, you know, wins are to be celebrated. And look, if you're not going to be happy after wins, then what's the point of, of even being a sports fan, right? So, yeah, in, enjoy this one. I do agree with that, and uh, we joke because we can. But there was genuine emotion and excitement on the part of the players, and there should be. And Jimbo often says, and people that make their living as coaches never apologize for a win. And we as fans and media, we pick at that. But you know what? you don't have to apologize for a win. Ten years from now, the record will reflect it was a win. You turn the page and you move forward. Exactly right. And, and uh, a good opportunity for Florida State to move forward this week. Against a pretty good football team coached by Dabo Swinney uh, in Clemson. So Keith and I were going over the formula. I mean, how does the script play out that Florida State wins this game? So what's your what's your version of that script? Uh, my version is you, you have success in the running game. Uh, another big game from Cam Akers would be a, a really good thing. I think sounds like Jacquez Patrick's going to try to give it a go this week. Be nice to get him involved. Uh, I like the idea of, of running first, passing out of the running game, getting some uh, some long drives, which I know are going to be hard to do against that defense, uh, but, but get a few if you can, and then maybe uh, get one, and if you're really lucky, two of those big runs, big plays like you had last week. Uh, and, and get you some points, maybe get a lead, and, and maybe get a little bit of a doubt creeping into the back of Clemson's mind, uh, and then see uh, see where it goes from there. Do you take the chance, do you roll the dice, Tim, and just bring enormous pressure trying to create turnovers, or do you, you lay back and make Clemson drive the ball the length of the field? That's a really good question. Uh, maybe both at times, depending on how the situation calls for it. I, I wouldn't mind being uh, being aggressive early. Uh, and seeing how they handle that, but you know, I don't know that that, that you know if, if things go Clemson's way early on, I don't know that, that taking all those chances is what you want to do necessarily either. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I have the answer to that one. I, question, I just. Though. I just think. What do you think? I, well, I just think that FSU's best chance at victory, and and candidly, let's be fair, best chance at not being embarrassed is to be the beneficiary of a couple of turnovers in a short field and, and score some points. Um, I mean, that's the recipe for an underdog. Thank you, Tom. We'll explain that to you later, Tim. For an okay. underdog, um, going into a hostile environment and winning a ball game, stealing a ball game, it's it's based on short field and turnovers. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Look, those are the kind of things, those little swing factors uh, that I think, you know, Florida State has probably going to have to win all. They're going to have to win the turnover battle. We were uh, just talking earlier. Uh, about special teams, and Florida State could actually have an edge there, particularly in the kicking game. I think Ricky Aguayo has established himself as being a you know a, a pretty good kicker this year. Uh, has been really steady since that Alabama game. Clemson's had some adventures, to put it mildly, uh, in their field goal kicking, so that's a, an advantage you can have there. I think Logan Tyler has done a really good job uh, this year. And if you look back at that Syracuse game, especially when things got a little nip and tuck in the second half, uh, he was really important as far as giving Syracuse long fields, uh, making it feel like. 
you know, they had longer fields before Florida State did. And it was really maybe the first game this year, at least first close game that I can remember felt like feeling like Florida State had an advantage in starting field position, at least when it really, really mattered. So, you know, all those little detail type things, you, you got to sort of keep stacking them up in your favor and then hope by the end of the game they're enough to tip the scales your way. But and I agree with you. And I do think one of the things that Coach Kelly needs to seriously consider is even though you're going to be playing some safeties with lesser experience, I'd play those young kids and allow Derwin to be closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, that that would be my game plan, is he would be playing within two, three, five yards of the line of scrimmage on almost every snap. Well, we definitely saw a little bit more of that against Syracuse, and you know, you wonder if, I mean, certainly Derwin's played there before, but as far as getting some of the younger guys out there, the Hampton, Nazareth, Dean, and some of those guys, you wonder if uh, last week, I mean, obviously it was, it was a good strategy for Syracuse, but also if it's just a chance to get those guys comfortable so that it's not the first time. Right. If they go and do it against Clemson, it's not the first time they're doing it. Right. All right, Tim, let's uh, let's change sports because we're getting to that busy time of year. So women's hoops tips off on Friday. Men's hoops season opener is Tuesday. What you think for each side here? What are we looking uh, at? I, I think there's some, uh, some pretty good things. There's a lot to like. I think the, the men's side. Uh, in particular, I, I think they could actually be pretty good. Uh, and I'm not to say that I'm surprised by that, but I think most teams, when you lose your top three scores the way they did, I think most uh, outsider per, uh, perspective would say they're probably going to take a step backward. Like they might not win 26, 27 games, but I think they're going to be a pretty solid team. I, I would, you know, I, I would actually expect them to, to beat their projection uh, from the, the ACC kickoff and, and you know potentially finish in the top half of the league, but. You know, I thought a quote from Leonard Hamilton the other day was, was pretty telling, and, and I actually think that it, it makes a lot of sense. They could roll 12 guys and not have there be a whole lot of difference between each 12 guy. Now, of course, there are different you know, styles and different body types and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of just over, sort of overall expectations, uh, they're all pretty similar, uh, and that's different than you know a lot of basketball teams and certainly some Florida State teams in the past where you had a lot of top-end talent, and then you sort of had to you know, hold on while your bench guys were in. Uh, you know, I think this uh, this year it could be pretty even kind of across the off the across the board across the uh across the bench uh as for the women's side uh you know there's a there's a lot to replace there but and then also you have the the best player in the acc and and you know probably one of the best players in the country uh in shakayla thomas and i'm kind of curious to see how she sort of evolves uh into what should be a, a new role for her a leadership type of role being that as good as she's been she's always been younger than some key players you know she was the the freshman on the team a few years ago and then she was obviously you know sophomore and junior years there was still Leticia Romero or Brittany Brown or years before that Megan Conright or or whoever you know and but this year Shaquilla being the senior having the expectation uh you know can she not only produce for them on the floor can she be the the kind of leader the 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 emotional leader um, that she hasn't had to do before. They've gotten that from other people. But I think now that she is the senior, that Florida State's going to be looking for her to produce uh, and also be a, a leader in the locker room. And I think she absolutely can do it. I talked to her earlier this year about it. She said she was really excited about the idea, uh, but it is something different. But, but no, I mean, you know, if you keep, look at her body of work and, and you know, assume that she's going to continue to improve the way players do, uh, that's a pretty exciting proposition. On the pitch, the soccer team hosts an NCAA game. Now, it hasn't been the kind of year we're accustomed to having or seeing FSU soccer have, but that said, last year, uh, they had a better year, won the ACC, and only advanced you know, into the second round, if memory serves. So is this a team that can make a run in the postseason? Oh, of course it is. Look, you know, in terms of regular seasons, I think there was some frustration at times and things that didn't quite click. Uh, but the the thing about soccer and I think kind of what everybody around here sort of knew is like, look, given the talent that this team has and, and everybody knows about 
uh, Dana Castellanos, but it's not just a, a one-woman show. They have a, a lot of talented players, both from this country and, and top-flight international players. Uh, they're all going to be on the pitch at the same time. Uh, and the thought being is just get that roster into the postseason, get that team into the postseason. And in terms of top-end talent, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody they're going to play uh, that can boast more top-end talent than they have. Uh, and so just get there, put your best team out there, and, and, and see what happens. And I think that, you know, if um, – the, the, the old cliche sort of holds true is if there's ever a team that, that maybe didn't have a, a typical regular season they, they usually have, but you don't want to see them in the NCAA tournament, I think Florida State could be that team this year. You ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. Let's grade you from last week, first of all. This is uh, Tim Linefeld, who still barely got his head above water as uh, we're deep into the season. Dodgers or Strohs tonight? Dodgers. Will FSU win the coin toss on Saturday? No. Plus or minus 100 yards for Cam Akers? Plus. Number of possessions for Florida State in this game, bearing in mind that Syracuse goes tempo. I'm setting it at 13 and a half. Over. The over-under in the game is 50.5. Where are you going? Under. This one, I'll give you, well, it's not on the list, but I'll ask it anyway. Is DJ Matthews going to be the punt returner? I think so. Over under 25 and a half yards for his longest return. Under. Will the marching Chiefs win halftime? Always. Will Justin Motlow have a catch? No. The leading tackler will be... Matthew Thomas. You still had more up than down. I threw Six couple, and four. Six and four. Yeah, it's not bad. I threw a couple I'll bones say, well, at you there, like the marching guys, Chiefs question. I mean, I was just trying to help you pass, Tim. Well, I appreciate that. And the, and the guys who set those uh, those point totals, man, they're really good. What was the, the total, 51? Yeah, and 50 and a half was the over-under. I, I comment to Keith on that every week. I'm like, they know it's what amazing. they're doing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't look at the numbers this week other than knowing that Florida State's a decided underdog. So are you ready for this week's edition? Let's do it. All right. Cam Akers, plus or minus 99.5 yards. All right, he's going over there. Cam, another big day. Total FSU points over under 24 and a half. Under. Number of laptops on the Florida State sideline this week. <laughs> Zero. Okay, yeah, that, that was the under because I was setting it at a half, so you went under. Okay. Yeah. Don't you think just for fun that we should all show up on the sideline with laptops for Dabo? I mean, I think it'd make it more entertaining. Tell you what, you do it and I'll be right behind you. Okay. Will KJ slide down the slide in the Clemson Football Operations Building while we're there? Yes, on Friday after lunch. Yes, on Friday after lunch. Okay. Will the Clemson fans rush the field regardless of outcome? Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what they do, right? Yeah. Remember the collapsing goalpost. Yeah. Okay. Number of uh, blocked kicks by Florida State. The over under is a half. Oh boy! You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. Clemson's had some adventures, like I said, in the end, the kicking game. Let's let's go over. To borrow from Jeff Cameron, the Florida State football positive note of the week is that FSU leads the ACC in blocked kicks this year. Hey, the, you know, there's something to yeah. After a while, if you get as many as they have, I mean, they had two on Saturday, some previous this year. You know, yeah, after a while, it's a thing, right? Will Jimbo go for a fourth down in this game? Yes. All right. Does soccer get a win on Friday night? Yes. Miami Notre Dame, who you got? Notre Dame. Number of three pointers for PJ Savoy in the opener on Tuesday night. Ooh. What's the over four. under? Over under is four and a half. You're going under? Oh, under, yeah. All right. He's taking the under on four and a half. And number of points scored by Shaquilla Thomas in the women's uh, opener on Friday. I'll set that at 17 and a half. Over. 
Over. So even though they're going to win 112 to 42 over North Florida, she's going to be in there long enough to go over 17 and a half. I mean, she might hit that over in the first quarter. All right, she might. Just to clarify for those who have not been to Clemson, by the way, the Clemson fans rush the field every week, regardless of opponents. That's just what they do. So that was that was the give me question this week for Tim. Yeah, so what to come for that. My and, question. Uh, and what was your question? Tim, he he rejected my question. I forget well, what, what it was. was it? What were going to be the total runs scored in the wiffle ball contest between the radio crew and the Seminoles.com crew at the Clemson wiffle ball court? Oh, boy. Total runs scored? Now, I was going to set it at 11. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd say under. That's a lot of running. And this ain't a crew that likes to run. <laughs> That's where I would have gone. Run was the key word that would not be factored into the equation. Tim, uh, we appreciate your expertise as always. Thank you. You get it. You get it, fellas. We'll see you. All right. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linefelt. Have you, you ever even played wiffle ball? Do you want to just grab Have a, you ever even played What would Clemson ball? do if we just brought our own wiffle ball gear and showed up and started I, playing? I don't Can know. we do that? I, well, Brad Scott, I think, is still a cons- consultant to the athletic department. I think I can get a hold of Brad, and maybe, just maybe, we could actually get on the wiffle ball court. Let's work that out. we got to go to break, come back, and roll on with Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we're going to have an international star join us next segment, and that's not an exaggeration. I'll explain in just a little bit. But right now, we're going to move on to the risk management portion of the program which is keith jones specialty we're talking about how clemson if you've ever been to a clemson game you know this they let the fans on the field as we were describing last segment after the game and they get autographs every game every Every game game. win lose and so having been there and i'm on the field and as part of the visiting team they do a good job with it but you always kind of want to make sure you're out of harm's way because it can get a little raucous and well, and to that point, they've got the retractable goalposts. They were the first in the country to have the goalposts that go down. They fold all the way down. In fact, um, you know, Coach Bowden's, was it his 300th victory that was at Clemson? Yes, 1999. Uh, yeah, because I did that ball. Well, we did that ball game. I, well, you weren't there. You weren't there for some reason. I was not there. And I came down from the booth early in order to get Coach Bowden on the sideline. And, and I did. Uh, and it was at the very end, and I was doing a quick little hit with him, and the, the fans were there, even though it was a loss. The fans were still there, and I never will forget. As soon as I got through with Coach Bowden, it was about a thirty-second hit, and he took off. The fans got around me, and they pulled the box where all the cables hooked up. I had it, I had it in my back pocket, and somebody grabbed those cables and pulled them and ripped the the back of my pants out. And I had to walk around until I got back to the locker room with my pants torn on the on the right cheek part, so to speak. Thanks for that description. I'm just giving you the visual. So they do that, and obviously they come running down the hill, which is really cool to see. It's a great it's a great tradition at Clemson. What you may not see, because if you're watching on TV, 
they change this, but after the players and the team come through, that becomes open, like standing room only. And so you have this dynamic of now fans are running down the hill at the same time security is slamming shut the gate. The gate. So you have gate meeting fans. And I always, and I'm not a risk management guy. You Looks are, almost like a soccer game. But, but I've sat there and watched it and I'm thinking, God, that, you well, know, there, there, I know you got to vet it, but that one's a little interesting. There, there have been Clemson players, active players, who have that fallen. Have, have fallen. There's been they have when when they have their reunions, they have their older teams come down. There have been a couple of situations in ten and twenty year reunions because uh, Brad Scott, who was offensive coordinator at Florida State for a long time, is still uh, associated. His son, well, and his, his son, son is, John, is, yeah. is one of the co offensive coordinators for Dabo. Um, he's, he has told me, because he and I uh, still keep in contact Not with John, each other. Jeff. Isn't it Jeff Scott? Jeff. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're correct. Yes, Jeff. But anyway, uh, Brad has told me that there has been significant injuries yeah. for 10- and 20-year reunion players who have come down there and torn ACLs and torn Achilles because it's I been always, so far removed since they did it. You know, it's a cool tradition, and we don't have to debate whose tradition is the best, but I'm fortunate enough I get to go there every two years, so I make it a point to stand out of harm's way and watch the whole spectacle unfold. It's interesting every week. And who's the gentleman responsible for Howard's Rock and for the Clemson Paul print? I'm not going to remember this now. Hootie Ingram. Is that right? Who was a coach at Clemson, a head football coach at Clemson a long time ago before he went into athletic administration, was an athletic director obviously at Florida State for a period of time. Uh, and he, he – I know he came up with the Clemson Paul print. And if you've ever not been to Clemson, you need to go because that Paul print is on roads, sidewalks, buildings, everywhere you go. And I think – I may be incorrect on this, but I think he's the one that arranged for Howard's well, Rock. Well, never let facts get in the way of a good story. For Howard's Rock – and Howard was a previous uh, head coach at Clemson – for Howard's Rock to be installed up at the top of that hill. Well, who put the – they have their own sod cemetery there, which always is interesting. It, it doesn't predate Florida State's, though. I don't believe so, no. No. Um, you got me thinking about fans rushing the field. And, of course, we were just at BC, which I will say I was caught off guard that BC rushed the field given the state of FSU season. But I've almost completed the entire ACC bingo card now because I was in Charlottesville in 95 when they rushed the field. I was not at NC State in 98, but I have been at NC State when they've rushed the field. 01 was the game at Carolina, the Ricks game, 41-9. to They rushed the field. Then it happened at Maryland. And after a while, you kind of lose track. I was there for the kick six in Atlanta. So I've everywhere but Duke and Syracuse, I believe, are the two holdouts right now. Well, in Duke, I don't think you can get on the court with the security they have. <laughs> Uh, but be that as it may. Now, I, on the other hand, have been the beneficiary, along with one Gene Deggerhoff, of our fans rushing the court in victories over Duke and North Carolina, and one in particular where they rushed the court over the top of us. I mean, but we, you're still standing. We were, we, grabbing, we were grabbing equipment and everything we could. They were coming right over the top of us. All right, I'm going to change completely. You mentioned Bobby Bowden's name, and today is his birthday. Happy 88 birthday. years old for Coach Bobby Bowden today. If you don't want to do the math, he was born November 8th of 1929, which was a week to 10 days after Black Tuesday and the stock market crash of 1929. I mean, there's a great. Just think about how much. When you're, it's one thing to say somebody's 88, but if you actually process everything that's happened in those 88 years, beginning with 
spending the first 10 or 12 years of your life in the Great Depression. I was going to say, that's, and a, then World that's, War a, II. that's a great introduction somehow. I'm sure Coach Bowden has used his favorite story these days because I had an opportunity to be with him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he, he's the master of, of the quick one-liners and quick stories. Uh, but he was at the quarterback club speaking a couple, three weeks ago. And uh, his new favorite one is he tells folks that uh, sometimes uh, an individual will come up to him and says, well, Coach Bowden, do you have any enemies? And he'll say, no, nope, no enemies. What do you mean? You, you, you can't have gone through 87, 88 years of life without any enemies. He says, I don't have any enemies. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> just as Bobby could deliver it. I can't deliver it like he can, but yes. So happy birthday to Coach. 88, hard to believe. Well, And uh, we wish him well. I've seen him around a couple times this year. Wish him the best and wish him a good birthday. By the way, some other uh, Knowles of note, the Florida Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony is tonight. Work done is going in. And also, uh, posthumously, uh, Colleen Walker, former Florida State golfer who lost a long battle with uh, breast cancer. But two Knowles uh, going in there. Congratulations used sit, there. Uh, used to sit beside Colleen. It just worked out. There was three or four or five varsity club board meetings where uh, we were we were sitting side by side. And what a, what a neat lady, a great ambassador for golf, and an even better ambassador for FSU athletics. Work done gives me a chance to segue here into Cam Akers a little bit. I guess just purely because he's a running back. But so going back to Cam Akers, he's 695 yards, I think, and the freshman rushing record is Dalvin, and I think it's 1,008. It's barely over 1,000, 1,014 I don't have in front of me. So he now has at least four games, and if a bowl game, five games to get there. If we just count the four, he needs to average 78.5 yards to to set the all-time freshman rushing record at FSU. He's currently behind Dalvin in 2014 and Greg Allen in 1981. I'm not saying that he's those guys or he's better. We can have those debates later and let a career play out. But I am going to point out, and I've done this a couple times this week, that Dalvin played for a 2014 offense that featured a lot of NFL guys, including Jameis Winston, and there were some big holes to run through in 2014. And Cam Akers is probably going to break that mark this year with a freshman quarterback with two linemen that have been out with a receiving core that's depleted. It says an awful lot about Cam Akers. Very much so. And and both of those touchdown runs, uh, I think, were were evidence of how he is able to to mix that balance of of power and speed. You know, I I don't think his top end is as good as as Dalvin's, but I think is between the tackles. I think his toughness that that one run he had where he trucked that safety. Uh, from Syracuse. I thought William Floyd was going to just jump out of the booth from the ninth floor. Um, Not necessarily something I want to see him continue to do his entire career. That is, take on would-be tacklers and and square them up and run over them. (coughs) Pardon me. He needs to learn to be a little bit more like Warwick Dunn was and not take those big hits. But uh, while they're young and able, uh, it's exciting, and and you know he just he plays with a an, a reckless abandon that you really like, and you're going to get uh, Patrick back supposedly this week. I'm not sure how much uh, activity he'll be able to do or how many plays he'll be able to play, but you'll get him back, and, and you're going to need to control the clock a little bit against this obvious Clemson uh, offense if you want to have any chance of success uh, up there. Exactly right. And it's good to have Patrick back because he's brought a toughness too. those running backs have been tough this year. If you've got a do it yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to take care of all your power tool needs. 
as you know by now, a couple of locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue, also 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Can you say celebrity? A celebrity will join us next, or are you talking about cornerstone tool and fastener was well, that them, a segue or them too them too okay i wasn't sure if you're talking about ron or if you're talking about dana i'm gonna go with dana okay no offense ron no offense ron understand dana castellanos is an international soccer star who's a sophomore at florida state and if you're a big fsu sports fan you would certainly have heard of her certainly if you follow fsu soccer which a lot of people do you know who she is if you follow soccer in general you would know but if you don't you need to listen to this interview because when i tell you that she's on the world stage and she's age 19 and was up for the nat- the international player of the year in all of women's soccer this year she was she was also up for the goal of the year too because she scored from midfield on one uh, but an interesting story she's from venezuela and she is truly a hero in her native country uh, and she's learning and getting more comfortable with english and you'll hear that interview when we come back on front row knolls yeah Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, we're going to move from football to football here and talk a little Florida State soccer. And for context, we talk a lot about and and to a lot of the stars at Florida State. And obviously, Derwin James is a headliner for football. Drew Mendoza is going to turn into a headliner for baseball. Uh, And there's been a lot over the years. But I don't know that there's been anybody that from a worldwide standpoint has had the following that our next guest has. And as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together. We say hello to Dana Castellanos from the Florida State women's soccer team, who truly is an international star. Dana, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm great. The, the first question I have you're from you're from Venezuela, which, according to the maps that I looked at, I don't know if it was Google or what. You're about 1,758 miles from home here in Tallahassee. So, how did you end up here at Florida State? Well, after 2014, I had a World Cup with the national team under 17. Um, and the coach, Mark Ricorian, he saw me there and he offered a scholarship and said, okay, that's great. <laughs> I would think that the international track record that Florida State has probably helped in that decision, given that FSU has had players from, uh, I don't know about from Venezuela or as many from South America, but certainly from Europe and Japan and, and parts all over. Yeah, of course. That was one of the reasons why I came here. You were nominated for the FIFA Women's Player of the Year Award, and the ceremony was just a couple of weeks ago, and you were one of three finalists. And I believe you're the first ever collegiate student athlete from the States to be a, well, you're not from the States, but playing in the, competing in the States to be a top three finalist, and there was a huge ceremony in London. What was that experience like for you? That was the, one of the best experiences that I had in my life. I was keep working to to being another one and try to win the trophy. (laughs) Uh, That was amazing, really. Dana, had you spent any time in the United States prior to arriving here uh, to start your Florida State career? Uh, I came a couple times before I came here just for holidays, but like a week or two weeks. But now, like, I live here. It's a little bit crazy. I didn't know how to speak 
English, so it's a big change. Well, speaking of the English part, uh, I always liked uh, asking the international folks, uh, what, what's now your favorite American food? What, what, what's now got you uh, convinced that uh, from a culinary standpoint, the United States does the best on this particular thing? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure. I think the burgers have still been my favorite. Burgers? Is that what you said? Yeah. What do you miss most from Venezuela? Uh, food, the beaches. Um, my family, of course. <laughs> right, obviously. And does your family have a chance to come here and see you play at all? Uh, my brother is here right now, so yes. But my my parents, they they haven't come yet. We're talking with uh, Dana Castellanos, who's a star for the Florida State soccer team and, and was up for the International Player of the Year on the women's side this year. Let me just give a little context to, to your resume, Dana. You've twice led Venezuela to the semifinals of the U-17 World Cup. Uh, and I believe Venezuela is the first South American country to make the semifinals. Uh, and and I don't uh, correct me where I'm wrong here, but in doing a little bit of research, it seems like uh, as an American, I might associate soccer with all South American countries. But really, it looks like baseball has been the bigger sport in your native homeland because soccer has not had as much success as some of the other South American countries. So correct me if I'm wrong on that, but what would it mean or what has it meant for you to bring your, your homeland to the national stage like you've done? You are right. Baseball is the biggest sport in Venezuela. Uh, it's weird because in all South America, soccer is the the, beat, <laughs> the biggest thing uh, for me and for my teammates. Uh, it's amazing. Like, break like the stereotypes and say like okay uh, soccer can be bigger and female soccer can be better than men's soccer all right dana let's also continue putting things in context now my partner tom block who you've been talking with brags absolutely brags to anyone who will listen this should be interesting that he has eight thousand nine hundred followers on twitter Okay. How many followers do you have on Twitter? On Twitter, uh, I believe that I have 156,000 followers. 166,000, Mr. Block. How many do you have, Keith? I have zero. Okay, I was just checking. <laughs> what about what about Instagram, Dana? Okay, that is a little bit bigger. <laughs> 951,000 followers. 951,000. No, a million. A million. So obviously you're from the social media age and you're I guess a hero in your in your native homeland. Is there a pressure that goes with this? I mean because social media is not always the nicest space to live in depending really quite frankly in a visible sport on on how you played or performed last time out. So how do you embrace that sort of following on social media? Um, I think that it's a really positive part of my career and also for women's soccer because people can start to to think about big stars in soccer, female soccer, and also can start to think like in female soccer. So that is a, a really good part of social media that they can follow the the games they can follow the person that they are fans and it's amazing that I have like all the followers to share my my life with them that is basically soccer. Do you are you able to blend in more and be a little more anonymous when you're on campus at FSU compared to uh, I, I envision you as a rock star in Venezuela, but I don't know if that's accurate. 
here is a, a little bit different, but sometimes I'm walking and some Latin people, but today, like, American person, he comes to me and he says, oh, you were in the FIFA, uh, the best thing, and time to have a review. So that's a pretty good that uh, American, uh, they start to, to know about me, and when they know about me, they know about female soccer. What are you studying at Florida State? Communication. Excellent. And we've, we've asked you a lot of questions about you, so let's broaden it and talk about the team as a whole. Obviously, Florida State has a great history of success in women's soccer, including a national championship. This year has not been the same level of success as what Florida State's accustomed to, but you get a blank, a blank uh, slate or canvas this week because it's the postseason. So what has to happen for this Florida State team to not just win Friday night, but to make a run into the NCAA postseason? Um, I think that right now we we are in a really good shape. We are in the same page, and we are working hard to to be the national champions this this year. So that was bad that we didn't win the ACC this year, but at the same time, I think that was good because we we had the chance to to rest and have time for us. That is uh, is important too. Um, I think that. Right now, we are in a, a really good shape, and we will do great. Well, we certainly wish you the best of luck and congratulate you on your success and your literally your worldwide following. But uh, we hope you're enjoying your time in Tallahassee and Florida State. And uh, tell Coach K we said hello and best of luck in the postseason. Thank you so much. That is Dana Castellanos, who uh, soccer aficionados will know her well. And I, I don't think it's an exaggeration. I, I mean, I, if you go back, and you and I go back a ways, Keith, but if you talk about somebody with an international following in terms of, you know, obviously Buster Posey is a big deal now, but he wasn't at this level when he was at Florida Not State. Deion Sanders was a big deal. On the women's side, and this is when I was in school going way back, Gabrielle Reese excelled in volleyball to the point that she was, I think she had to give up volleyball well, her model, or give up her, her scholarship career. because her modeling career took off. So I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of people we're leaving out that are hugely talented and have been Olympic medalists, but... If I heard her correctly, she said that she's got 900-something thousand more followers on Instagram than you have. Uh, I believe that's also accurate yes, to I don't, you as well. Yes, that is that is true. All right. Well, <laughs> we wanted to broaden Think about the horizons. This too. Think about this, too. If I heard her correctly, she'd been to the United States just a couple of times prior to arriving on campus. And as you could tell, English was a, was her, is her second language, and it's a language that evidently she has learned very recently. And I thought she was well-spoken within that. I mean, it's not like she learned English at six or seven or eight years of age, I think. You get over here, you're 16, 17, 18 years old uh, of age, rather, and learning a second language, uh, that's also a big hurdle that uh, she has uh, polished very well. And, again, soccer folks will get it, but – to be a top finalist for the top three soccer player in the world as a sophomore. At, at all levels. As, at all levels. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, other, the, the other finalists amateur. are professionalists who are in their mid-20s in the prime of their career. It's, it's a remarkable uh, achievement. 
And if, if you haven't seen her play, the soccer team plays Friday night at 7 in the postseason. You owe it to yourself. I'm, I'm telling you, this is somebody you're going to read about and see winning World Cups uh, or competing on the national stage down the line. By the way, just to finish this up, in terms of baseball, when I was doing the research, uh, Dave Concepcion, Miguel Cabrera, Bobby Abreu, and, and uh, more recently with the Astros, Jose Altuve, all, all Venezuelans. So, I mean, baseball has been the bigger deal uh, than what soccer has been. But she's she's helping to turn that uh, swing that pendulum. We'll come back and put the wraps on this week's Front Row Knowles right after this. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Teacher, leave them kids alone. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. A couple more minutes before we close up shop for this week. Thanks I again. I thought her English was good. No, I think, it, I mean, it's a good story. I mean, uh, Dana Castellanos, uh, literally a rock star. And if you're into social media at all, you know it. I mean, uh, as we pointed out, she only has 900-something thousand more followers on Instagram than you and I combined. And I'm happy to add to that total. But you are running third in Twitter followers, <laughs> I should point out. Uh, Dana and the soccer team host Ole Miss tomorrow night. Should they win, they advance, I think. Tomorrow on, night or Friday night? Uh, Friday night, I beg your pardon. I've lost track. Friday night at 7 at the Seminole Soccer Complex. If they win, they go out to Stanford where they'd have to win twice, I guess, to get to the next round. But good luck to them and to Mark Krikorian. Sue Semrau's squad tips off 7 o'clock on Friday night as well. We wish them the best. The men's team's season opener is Tuesday night. Got all that shoehorned around FSU at Clemson on Saturday at 3.30. The announcement of uh, ULM game on uh, December Yeah, we didn't 2nd. mention that. You know, and that it's sort of the place we're in. Uh, I think if you talk to Stan Wilcox, he really wanted to play that game from the get-go in the name of being a good partner, even though Florida State didn't have to, I don't think, because of... Well, and they're on the schedule again, what, in two well, that's years? that's what I was going to say. They're on the schedule in 2019. Yep. Uh, and the athletics community is a small one, and you just don't want to burn bridges and get out. But the way the headlines came out is FSU schedules Patsy to get bowl eligible, blah, 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 even though the game was already on the schedule or whatever. Um, it is a 12 noon game against Louisiana Monroe. It is a 12 noon game against Delaware State. The 2018 schedule is out. Everything's a 12. No, I don't know what that'll look like. How but, about this? Florida State has not played a night game this entire year and will not play a night game at home. Yeah. Thanks I'd say night game in the entire year. Obviously, they played away in a night, but not not in Tallahassee. Well, I mean, that's the way it works. Somebody tweeted at me, remember when the bad games used to be at 6 o'clock? And I said, yeah, that's how I got my start on pay-per-view on pay-per-view Sunshine on Network. Because exactly. they always had to be 6 or 7 o'clock. Now we've, we've completely uh, turned around. That was back in the era when the good games were at 12 noon. Correct. Correct. I don't know what other damage we can do here on this. Well, I, I had, you know, the Louisiana Monroe and the bowl conversation does have me pining and wondering, should Florida State win three more games? Will I get to see Detroit on December 26th, Shreveport on December 27th, El Paso on December 28th or 9th? There's a... I've actually been to El Paso for a bowl game. We're gonna I didn't st- play in it, but I appeared in it. That's another story for another day. When we punch our ticket to the Sun Bowl, yep. we'll let you share that story. I will. We'll even find the pictures to prove it. <laughs> 
folks, enjoy the Clemson game this week. I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but hopefully uh, Florida State competes, plays. I do think that Florida State will fight in this. And uh, as we wrap up, Keith, you know, we talked after the BC game, Florida State could have packed it in last week or they could have showed fight and they showed fight which was good and a good sign and i think that's what we'll see this week one, one word uh and the, and the young kids i guess use it all all the time or maybe i'm old and think that young kids use it but one word represent go up there and represent whatever the outcome represent the kids do use it and you are old Thank we'll you. be back next week on front row Knowles. Love it, wonder where it's so wide.